Hey everyone, hope you are all good. So before I go into today's podcast, what I am going to announce is something pretty big. So the Female Fat Loss Program is starting and is launching already for a start date of the 8th of January. So why am I talking about it now really early on? Because I know it's going to sell out. I know the numbers are going to be at a level that we're going to sell out. So why am I offering it to the people who listen to the podcast and the email list first? Because you've been loyal. You because you've been listening to this throughout the rest the rest throughout the whole year, and it's been amazing. And the support has been amazing. So I want to reward you with being given the priority list and the offering of getting jumping in on the female fat loss program starting on the eighth of January, twenty twenty four. So what do you get? You get rid of the all or nothing approach. You get eight weeks of coaching. You get weekly check-ins, you get accountability, you get your own personalized training, whether it's home or gym, or you can do your own training. You get your personalized calories, you get an individualized coach, you get a one-to-one call with me towards the end, you get a Facebook group with like-minded people, you get weekly lives, and you did I say that you get rid of that all-or-nothing mindset? And you also know that you're taken care of in January, that you're not going to do the same silly shit that you normally do excuse my French, but it's not the same city shit that you normally do, which is go full ham and full restriction after eating all the full hams after Christmas. So if you're interested in joining the female fat loss program and getting things right in 2024 and making 2023 the last year that you ever feel like the way you currently do and know that you have the power to reset after Christmas and know that you're in safe hands after Christmas, the price is 99 euro for eight weeks. That is less than €1.80 per day. That's less than your your cup of coffee that you buy probably every single day. So if you are interested in signing up for the Female Fat Loss Program starting on the 8th of January for €99, click on the link in the show notes. If you want more information, drop me a DM or drop me an email and we can have a chat and we can kind of go from there. So it's €99 for eight weeks starting on the 8th of January 2024. Hope to see you there in the Female Fat Loss Program. Hey everyone and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh podcast. So today's episode is with Barry McGuire. So Barry is the owner of Self-Esteem U-Turn, an amazing program. And he has kind of blown up over on social media over the last while. And we speak about an awful lot of topics about kind of like no-nonsense kind of information, nutrition information, the mistakes he sees clients making and people making when it comes to fat loss. We also talk about one of the big important topics in relation to how to get out for walks in the dark with the weather and the nights and the shorter evenings and stuff with being safe. And he comes up with a couple of useful parts on that. It's a really useful information and it's a really useful podcast episode. There's a lot more that I'm kind of ad-libbing on, but there's a lot more in that episode. So I hope you enjoy the episode with Barry McGuire. Give him a follow at Barry's Bods on Instagram and I hope you enjoy the episode. Barry, how are we, sir? We are good. Thanks for having me on. Thank you so much for coming on. I know uh, I ran over on the previous one, uh, on the previous podcast. I think this is like my fourth or fifth podcast today. So, uh, yeah, and then I've got another. I have to fly to Glasgow for one tomorrow. And then I have another one with one of my clients on Friday morning. So it's podcast week. So that will bring, bring me up until probably the week before Christmas. Uh, you're getting them all in advance smart yeah, smart yeah so at least then i get to be able to set things up so yeah um for anyone who isn't aware of who you are barry 
tell us who you are, what's your name, where do you come from? Right. So my second name isn't actually Bods. <laughs> it's not various <laughs> Bods on Instagram. A lot of people assume that. It's Maguire. Uh, I'm from Mayo originally. I've uh, lived in Galway then most of my life. And uh, just like Shane, I run a coaching business and we be really straightforward and simple about this. We help people lose fat and keep it off. <laughs> I'm not going to go into any more detail than that. But it, like, if you look at Barry's content on social media, it's very simple information, but made in Barry's own way, which is, I think, what makes Barry unique. So it's a credit to you on that because it's very easy to kind of like when you're doing content, I find this myself and I'm talking from my own personal experience, when you know a lot about things, it's hard not to argue both sides to your content. You're kind of like, oh, but if you cut it, if you don't cut it, can't you do this? If you do this, can't you kind of like this is fucking ruining the video. <laughs> I've done that so many times. I used to do that so much where I'd, I'd make like, by the way, here's this caveat, by the way, yeah, there's nuances yeah. here. And, but I rewatched the video. I'm like, no one's going to understand what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, I've, and I've realized that in the last while. I was like, once I take out, it's like, oh, there's two minutes out of the video. <laughs> Yeah, and then that was pointless ranting for three minutes um as as you said you help people kind of lose fat right and i know one of the big things that a lot of people can kind of get bogged down with is this element of willpower when it comes to Mm. fat loss but one of the things you talk, talk about it why fat loss is not about willpower it's more about being flexible can you kind of talk about that a little bit because i think it's really really important that people latch on to this sentence that's why i want to start with it yeah i, I love this topic a lot because the amount of time like, i'd be quite a penny for every time someone says i don't have enough willpower that's why i'm not losing fat i'd be an absolute I'd be a millionaire at, at this stage like no one squeezes their fists and somehow uses that to produce more willpower in the brain so that now they can lose fat when they start again next monday like that that doesn't happen but we, like I'm guilty of it as well. We seem to think we're able to create more willpower, just like like almost will it into existence. But the way that I prefer to look at it, and maybe this is inaccurate, maybe it's scientifically wrong, but it's in my experience, it's worked with our clients, it's worked, and it it's it leaves you with a smoother process when it comes to achieving your goals than just trying to force more more willpower. And that is just to take the mindset of testing your willpower less looking at it as it's the willpower is the product of the the stuff you do in a day like the remainder the battery left in your phone and sometimes there's not too much you can do to create a lot more of it okay so what we really get people to do is get to the point where they don't have to test their willpower as much and then when they they're in a position to test it more they push that and they have the freedom to do that likewise if they have to bring home their kids from school their car breaks down they're not feeling very motivated, feel a bit ran down. We're going into the winter. Their goals are set up in a way where it doesn't test their willpower as much. So they can still tick the boxes no matter where they're at in terms of their energy or willpower, just needs to look a bit different. That that's I suppose what I mean when I say flexibility, adapting there, sort of taking your willpower where it's at and making sure you're not being stupid and saying, I'm gonna to go to the gym five days a week when your fucking kids have chicken box. Yeah, so it's 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 managing your expectations and kind of not setting yourself up for a fall, realistically. Yeah. Because I think we've probably both spoken to people that, as well, 
I'm starting now. So I'm going to get protein with every single meal. I'm going to go to the gym five days this week. I'm going to get nail all my water, go to sleep at this time. I'm going to have no stress in my life. I'm kind of like, well, you're not going to succeed this week. And, they're, and they look at you blankly and you're kind of like, you're not helping me here. I was like, well, I am helping you here. I'm helping you to be realistic, not being yeah. silly. That's it. People, people, but it's kind of like, well, it's kind of like going in. Well, most people, and I've been there. I'm not talking down to people. I'm not trying to be talking down to people. It's kind of like when people try to lose weight, there is this level of kind of like, there can be a level of arrogance around it that it's going to be easy. The concept is easy, but people can feel that the weight loss and fat loss is easy. That's just going to happen miraculously. Yeah. That's kind of like going into your first day in your job, expecting to be CEO the next day. Yeah. But people forget that because we're so emotionally attached to this idea that we have to lose weight now. We we go for let's go for quick fix. Let's avoid all our emotions. Let's all our, avoid all our behaviors. And let's just go rigid. Fuck this. I'm going to head first into this wall. Yeah, it's I think it's it's mentally easier for some people to it's mentally less complicated to either go full in 100 percent commit or give up. Yeah, it takes less less effort because you know where you're at you know where you stand whereas if you say maybe i have a lot going on this week i'm going to give 70 percent effort you have to define what 70 percent effort looks like you don't know if you're overdoing it if your expectations are too much you don't know if they're too little and so this is because number one you haven't practiced it you're not used to it you're used to the all or nothing mentality but number two it's because everyone else (laughs) has the all or nothing mentality that you're probably getting advice from either all in or all out you know it's it's what we're surrounded with so it's it's not the norm. It's a bit difficult to create that mental flexibility, but it can be done. And if you previously lost weight and put it back on, I would go so far as to say it needs to be done at some point if you want to keep the weight off. And I think it's when you talk about that all or nothing approach, as you said, it's that there's no gray area. It's either black or white. I think where people are probably can struggle with that is they massively bring in perfection into things and if you bring in perfect or you bring in kind of like the word perfection into things you're kind of like you're kind of not allowing yourself to be human yeah that you will have days where you overreach there will be times you skip a training session like i'm not sitting here as an angel barry i'm sure barry's missed training sessions in his life and he's not he's doing all right oh yeah plenty plenty <laughs> i'm going through a phase at the moment where it's uh Life's a bit less predictable. I'm in a more difficult environment that it's about to change. But with that, I have to completely change my expectations. It's They're potentially the lowest they've been in a, in a couple of months, which doesn't feel good. But it's it's going to feel even worse if I expect myself to be able to do this shit I was doing when I was living in the city centre beside the gym and had way more free time. You know, that would be that would be silly of me. There's a, like a simple framework that we teach, well, I, I show it in my content, but that we also teach our clients is that the higher the level of unpredictability that you have in your life, the lower you typically need to set your expectations. And the more predictability you have, the less shit you have going on, the higher you can set your expectations. Take a 19-year-old working a nine-to-five um, like in, in a shop, no girlfriend, no partner, no kids. They're beside a gym. Maybe we'll say they even have a home gym. It's like, you know what? Yeah, you can push yourself. You can... You can get a bit closer to perfection than your average person. You can probably maintain that for a while until you uh, have a job that gives you deadlines and has, you know, you have kids and you have other responsibilities. And I think expectations 
can can kind of help to create that curate that feed for people i think i was talking to kelly fennel before we kind of came on and she has twins who are two and she was they were like she was able to train go for six hours on a bike beforehand but then the, the kids came along and she's like i can't do that anymore mm-hmm. and it's kind of like it's, it's 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 accepting that piece and accepting that reality for yourself and also saying right this doesn't mean i completely stop it just yeah. means that we just change things a little bit and maybe realize that the goal may take a little bit longer until they're a little bit older until they're able to be a little bit more self-sufficient then i can go after it a little bit harder and she even talked about this example of say if you have say a 12-week block of fat loss right look at your 12 weeks as a whole week as 12 weeks and look at when you've got meals out or nights out and count those in and make a strategy and plan for those. So you know that these are the, going to be the weeks where you're able to go full at it. These are the weeks where you may need to ease off it. And that can help you a lot. It takes that expectation off. You know what the reality is. You know what you're expecting. But it's also having that reality in your head and saying, right, I know what I'm going to do here. I know how to manage this. And that gives you that certainty, but also allows that flexibility for you. And I think flexible approaches are a lot better. A lot better. Oh, yeah. Um, one of the big sentences a lot of people can have in their psyche is this whole piece of it hasn't worked before, so it won't work this time. How do you navigate that with people or clients that are coming in to to your business uh, with that side of thing? With, when, it's, when they mentioned though that that phrasing, yeah. So usually this is something that we'd address when we have an initial consult call with people before they decide to work with us and or just like in Instagram and DMs in comments. And then sometimes it will be with clients to get a bit bogged down and they say, oh, it hasn't worked for me before. You know, why would it work this time? It's, I suppose I do empathize with them a bit because it's very illogical. It's like, maybe you have tried this 10 times and every single time you failed. You know, why should you believe it should work again? It's 10 fucking times. That's a, that's a that's evidence you know that maybe maybe you can't do it right but then you have to look at the approach how many times have you tried implementing a flexible approach to your diet can you ask them it's usually down to zero right nearly always zero it's like no slimming worlds and rigid and maybe there's some programs that implement flexibility but it's rarely done very well it's usually still quite rigid slimming world you have a certain amount of sins allowed like it's that's not flexible you're not gonna be able to do that if you're on holidays for a week Okay. I need a banana. Absolutely. <laughs> to be when I say flexible, the the approach that you take needs to be adaptable to every situation that you're in in your life. Maybe there's like a few exceptions, but every situation that you're in repeatedly. Okay. And um, so it's a lot of flexibility, right? A lot of room there. It's a big sliding scale, and that's the way I approach it. I ask them, how many times have you tried to implement a, fre- a flexible approach? And they say, oh well. Uh, uh, and it's it's usually zero. We're like, right. So you have no evidence to believe that a flexible approach won't work for you. We have to test that out. And then you know they can't say anything apart from yes. Well, flexible to you will be different to me. So how do we define what flexible is for you? Yeah, that's a really good one because flexible is it's really vague, isn't it? Or yeah, like it is, it's just a buzzword. It's like motivation is a buzzword. People mm-hmm. are like, oh, I'm not motivated. No, no, you're just in a shit mood. And it should be called motivation. Yeah, that's it. And even like the word balance, flexible, it's like everyone says that you need balance. And we're saying here, throwing around the word flexibility, but it can mean something entirely different uh, from, from one person to the next, right? One example is, let's say 
you might need a certain level of flexibility within your approach because of your job. Your job might dictate the flexibility that you need. Let's say you're an accountant. You're going to be a lot busier this time of year because you're doing returns for, for people like us. Right? <laughs> you're talking about before the call. Let's say it's a January. You're going to be busier that time of year as well. Okay. If you're a project manager, there's going to be times where you're busy, where you're literally managing your project, and then times where you're not going to be doing as much overtime. So the flexibility that you will you will need in your approach will sort of align with how your work life is going. But then you also have, you know, the other big thing is kids or a partner, all right? You're going to need flexibility around your kids. You have to drop your kids to lots of different places and take care of them when they're sick and, you know, um, you know give them attention in the evenings, things like that. That's also where you would need some flexibility. But there is going to be times in your life where you won't need to do that as much, you know, when they're at a certain age, when you go through a certain time, when they're at a childminder, when you have free time in the mornings, you know. So it's usually a couple of things. It, it's the way that your lifestyle is set up that will define the flexibility that you need and the expectation that you need to set. And the, I suppose the bullet points here that usually determine what your flexibility needs to look like is your job, your kids, your environment, and I suppose your overall, like your, your family, like the partner that you're with. Uh, th- there could be one there that I'm missing as well. Uh, medical conditions is another big one if you have like chronic pain or something like that, but yeah, you get the gist of it. Yeah, I think it's, it is, rigid will get you to a certain place. I'm not going to sit here and say it's not going to get, it's not going to work for you, but it may not work for you long term because you may have six weeks of literally nothing going on. Like, you know, in January, people have fuck all going on and they're like, oh, I'm doing great. And as soon as Valentine's Day, that's where generally about 70% of people give up. It's about Valentine's Day. Mm. It's kind of like, that's when the meals out that first paycheck in January, like I'm going out for dinner, I'm going out for pints with the lads. That's generally where the flexible approach needs to come in. There will be times where you can be a little bit more rigid, but majority of your life is, you know, if you look to look at your average month, what can you get done? So sometimes what I talk about with clients is rather than saying, I'm going to get four sessions in your week. Why not set yourself a target? I'm going to, I'm going to get eight sessions in, in the next month. And then at least yeah, then. And then you take it off. It's like, well, I've only got one this week. That means like, I need to get three done this week. Rather than saying I'm going to get four done in uh, per week, lower the expectation. Make sure, because I know clients who are getting, I've had clients in the last little while saying, right, I'm getting two sessions in, or I want to do three sessions. I'm like, well, we're starting to get two at the minute. So why would we get three? Why would we aim for a third? I'd rather you get 100% of two rather than getting 67% of three. And they're like, okay, that that makes sense in my head now that's kind of explained out sometimes having that flexibility of like right let's train three times a week maybe in january when you've got feck all on but realize that you've got a trip away in march that we may need to bring it back down to two times a week and just focus on regular meals yeah it's it's finding what that balance is for you because balance for you and i is very different to someone who has loads of kids and a stressful job and stuff or stuff going on at home it's very very different it's about finding what can't they can do because people are really good at saying i can't do this yeah what can you do and that list gets a hell of a lot shorter and it's a hell of a lot more accessible for people um in relation to kind of finding time one of the big things that people can struggle with is hate for some of the fat loss tips to if you're sitting at a desk all day what are some of the top three or four that you've got off the top of your head 
I like this one because this is literally me. Um, so one or 1.5, get a standing desk or get an attachment that you can put on your desk that turns it into a standing desk. That's actually what I currently have. That can be handy if you don't want to fork out as much on a standing desk or maybe you just, I don't know, you like your current desk for some reason, you'd rather put an attachment on top. Uh, number two, get a, uh, what's it called? I was going to say a walking treadmill. <laughs> oh, one of those <laughs> things, yeah. yeah. Walking treadmill. Another one's on them. <laughs> An underdesk treadmill. They're a bit cheaper than average. You can probably get them for 200 quid now. Uh, I definitely overpaid for mine. They went down a lot of price since. Uh, I'm not affiliated with them or anything like that, but homefitnesscode.ie, uh, I think it's the ones that, that I got off. Those are fantastic because it's really easy just to get your steps up and deep while watching TV. Or if you have like admin work or you're working with spreadsheets or doing things that doesn't involve calls because otherwise your head bobbing up and down, it looks a bit strange and the call, it can be distracting. It's just a really easy way to rack up a lot of steps. Okay. Um, the other one then is actually, let's say if you have kids, you're doing something active with them indoors. Uh, a lot of people don't have anything set up like this, but it's, it's not actually too difficult to get your kids involved in this and make it a regular routine. So looking at things like what we've looked at with some people is, you know, the Just Dance games mm-hmm. that people have. It's like literally bring gaming into it, like bring some sort of, it's easier with younger kids. Like um, if it's a, one of them mini indoor trampolines, like the trampettes, like going on that while, while watching TV, it's good to dancing like without, without a game with the kids. Fucking hide and seek. <laughs> You'd be really surprised. And it sounds a bit weird. It sounds like, oh, I wouldn't do that. Uh, but if you think about like when you were younger, when you were a kid, like the stuff that you would do, you'd be running around the house. You'd only wish your parents were doing that with you. You can easily spend 10 or 15 minutes doing that in the evening. You're not going to look back the next day and be like, oh, fuck, I regret playing catch with my kids inside the house. Like it wasn't worth it. We knocked over one glass. Like what? why did I do that? No, you're never going to regret it. Like, and that's something that you can make a bit of a routine out of. So it's a bit more of a creative way to do it. Um and then the other one that I suggest is setting a timer at your desk for, uh, it depends on the job that you have, if you're self-employed, it's easier, but setting a timer at your desk to work in blocks of 25 minutes and every five minutes get up. Some people call that a tomato timer. And when you're up in five minutes, just move, go up, make a cup of tea, do some stretches on the floor, have a, <laughs> I, I do some weird like uh, mobility drills that just literally just make me feel good. I pace around the room while I'm on my phone. I just make a point of not sitting down. That's all. Okay. So there's, there's a couple more things, but those are the four uh, the four ones that personally I, I would suggest people that have worked well for me and the people that I've worked with before. Interesting. I haven't heard of some of those before. I've heard of those. Like I've said, I've seen a few people with the um, the home, the kind of like the treadmills that they have that in the house and kind of like, oh, I just, I just like rather go outside. You know what will get really well? I suppose with the winter, the, the rain. That's why I kind of mentioned yeah, these. Yeah, no, I just, I'm just one of these. Like, I just want to get outside, but it might work for other people. Like, it's a great idea. Um, Do you know what will get really big recently now is the you know the Meta headset. They're they're the starting to get a lot VR cheaper. Sets. I can't, yeah, the VR sets they're starting to get a lot cheaper and a lot smaller than they used to be, and it's happening very fast and. The games that you can play on them look yeah, amazing. Mad. When you're doing the roller coaster <laughs> stuff, I've used them. They're mad. There's, there's one that sets up your, your place, you put it on, it sets up your house so that there's like zombies coming in your window. And it's like you're seeing the actual walls of your house. So it's like you're looking through glasses, but it's like augmented reality or whatever. And so it, it looks like, I remember the Wii, 
was just it was okay. Oh, you were talking about video games at home, you were talking about. It, I was like, am I going to show my age here and say about the Wii? Because that was the thing when I was when I was growing up. Yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, I think that, that the Wii kind of died a death, didn't it? Um, well, I but, saw someone saying that someone was like counting calories on their Wii recently. Oh, that's <laughs> mad. I don't, I don't know, but I saw something. I have some message on my phone. It's like someone was actually counting calories in their Wii or else was the calories burned on their Wii. I was like... Uh, could be the calories burned. You had like the Wii Fit board that you... you it was probably it was like, the most yeah. toxic, toxic thing ever. You stand in it and it tells you that you, you're obese or something like that. And that yeah, you, that was okay. Yeah, that's what it was. It was someone was weighing themselves in on a week. That's exactly what it was. That's the one. Yeah, that's the one. So, yeah, like th- things like that. Maybe not the Wii Fit. If you feel really shit after standing on the Wii Fit board because it's, it's giving you shit, the fact that you're too heavy, it's not including muscle mass. Maybe not, right? But um, they're fairly hard to buy anymore. But yeah, these, uh, these beta headsets are. I think it's only it's only been released the past few weeks and more than likely there's going to be a point where those are going to become the norm at some point it could be wrong could be wrong happy to be proved wrong but i do think they'll become the norm with the way the pricing is going and who owns the company yeah they rule the world um unfortunately um, <laughs> what about you've you've um you've spoken about your own journey on your on your social media mm-hmm. and how i don't know if i should use this word about obsessed is obsessed the right word yeah your journey with healthy eating i'm going to call it rather than use the obsession yeah. so can you kind of talk about that a little bit more because that might give people a little bit more context to to barry's story definitely so there was a point at which it wasn't so much when i was into the fitness side of things but way before that i would have been younger in my teens um I developed a, I guess you could call it an obsession with healthy eating because it was, it became, it's not that I just wanted to be as healthy as I could. It's that I, I it was sort of became a hobby. So like I wouldn't do anything else in the evening apart from try and find ways to eat healthier. Or I would spend like silly amount of times making meals, making like the perfect smoothies and I get hyper obsessed about the ingredients that I would use. And I remember there was a time where I cut out meat, I cut out everything. Don't don't do that because that you're going to find conflicting information that says you need to keep it in, and <laughs> you get to a point where it's not going to be very healthy. And um, but I got to a point before where I I limited my health. My health was basically detrimented because I had such a hyper focus on healthy eating that I ended up not really getting anywhere. The health markers didn't improve. I ended up eating a lot less lost a bit away. I didn't get to the point where there was any diagnosed eating disorders or anything like that. But men, how often do men go and actually check to, to diagnose themselves and things like that? It sounds it's not like too a common disordered either. eating pattern. Yeah. yeah that's, that's, that's what I would say. It sounds was. like a disordered eating pattern. Yeah. Well, my, I would say the vast majority of people have them. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's just the way the reality out there. But how did you overcome it? Did you get help? I ended up not getting help with that. Uh, what actually happened is I went through a major, major depressive episode after that. And in a way that I'm not going to say that this is going to happen for everyone else, but in a way it sort of reset my perspective on what was important to me. And um, mm-hmm. I was hyper obsessed with, I suppose, finding meaning in things. It's sort of, the way I am, I still am. I'm just someone that can get obsessed about things. 
And there was a time then where I had like no meaning and everything, right? Very dark place. Wasn't very happy with myself. Was very depressed. And I was diagnosed with that. And after coming out of that, I was like, you know what? I, I do just need to be a bit more, what's the word? I, I'm not sure if selfish is the right word, but I spent all this time trying to be this like morally perfect person with like not eating meat and have the best food. And I thought like I needed things to be 100% perfect and I was undervaluing myself and what have you if I don't do that. And I got to the point where it's like, right, there's actually a huge consequence to that. I just need to get to the point where I can eat in a way that I'm happy. That's in line with my goals. Okay. And after going through that, then it was a, it was a lot easier. So it's a, it's a hard one to explain because I haven't actually talked about that sort of healthy eating obsession on podcast before. It was just a depressive episode. But essentially what happened is I got to the point where it reset. I sort of came back down to earth and I kind of kind of took it from there. I, I wish I had a better way to describe how it happened, but I'd say there's an element there. I'm not too sure how I, how I did come around. And, uh, I definitely wouldn't. I don't feel like I'd be in a position to give people advice on getting out of that if they're stuck. Okay. No, but it's, it's interesting to hear that. Like, I do think there's a lot of people who are kind of in the fitness industry that have struggled with eating patterns and probably still do and that can be pushed onto clients mm. in a way of kind of well i'm keto steve so i'm going to push keto onto everyone or i'm i don't know sim world karen here's everyone's sim here's everyone's sins here's some misery yeah you know i thought about this and i thought i could have absolutely went down that route if i didn't change I could have became a coach PT at that point, maybe sooner than I did initially and push like this perfectionism, which is kind of what it was. It wasn't really keto or anything like that, but perfectionism in terms of diet onto my clients. And it could have, maybe it would have looked sexy and all that at the beginning, but it would have negatively impacted them in the long run because there's no way in hell that they would be able to stick to it without cutting out a ridiculous amount of socializing friendships, et cetera, from their life which is actually what I did. I cut out a lot of people to be able to do the stuff that I wanted to do with my diet. And that's where the real negative impact was as opposed to, okay, maybe I had less energy levels for a while, but it was like the relationships, the socializing, like the social health aspects. That's where, that's where the real negative consequences were. I think, I think people will relate to what you just said there about kind of having that social anxiety of when they're potentially going out for meals and stuff. I think, unfortunately, a lot of people do struggle with that, that kind of aspect of, well, if I have this meal out with my friends, my friends will judge me for, I want to get the burger, but I'm going to have the chicken Caesar salad, even though the chicken Caesar salad has more calories. It's kind of like, mm. I don't think people realize that. I'm not saying if you, want, if, like, if you like chicken Caesar salads, have fucking chicken Caesar salad. If you want to have the burger, have the fucking burger. Like, have whatever the fuck you want. I don't care. Um, but it's, I always find it, I find it interesting from, like, I would have struggled, and I probably haven't spoken about this an awful lot, I would have struggled to eat around people when I was growing up. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I, 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 it was more of an acceptance thing, it wasn't anything that my parents did or anything, that was more of like, I got severely bullied growing up, Uh it was more of a kind of like a social acceptance thing, if I eat a certain way, will I fit in? 
if I if, if I eat this food, will someone think be said? It was a control mechanism by me. I've never spoken about it really, um, but that that was a case, and I still get the odd little bit. Like I used to in my twenties, it was still there. But I think when you hit your thirties, you just start to really give less of a shit about anything. To be honest with you, you just start yeah. to wrap yourself out of it more. That's kind of, yeah, I mean, that's like, it's not very deep. It's not very philosophical, but I feel like that's what happened. I just started to give a bit less of a shit around how serious I took my, my nutrition. I just thought that there was. Well, I think this, about the aspect for me wasn't even about the food. Sorry, that's the Siri going off of the iPhone, in case you're wondering. (laughs) Who is that? Um, yeah, so I know the thing about for me wasn't about the food. It was a control mechanism about what other people were thinking. So mm. if I ate a certain way in front of them or didn't eat, I wouldn't be able to get comments. So it was, uh-huh. it was, it was, it, it, I, I find and research will show it's never about the food for people. Food isn't the issue for people. It's how they see themselves when they eat the food is the issue. Because they're taught about that they should be acting a certain way or eating a certain way to fit into society. So when you go out of that social norm that's been created by people, or you may have been in a household that like maybe your mom or your auntie or your dad was dieting, should you be having this? Should you be having that scone? Should you be having those, those carbohydrates? Should you be having those fats? Fats make you fat. Should you be having that sugar? Should you be having that cake? That creates this voice in your head is saying if i eat those food i'm not going to get accepted i'm not going to be accepted i'm not going to be validated i'm not going to be loved and then you're kind of like that shame cycle happens that in order you're kind of like well i'm not good enough if i eat those foods because they're going to make me gain weight so i avoid them completely and then once i avoid them completely then once they come back in i can't stop Mm. so it's never about the food it's normally it's normally a control thing it's like we're weight. It's like we're weight. It's like the scales. The scales isn't about the scales. Scales is a control mechanism of what other people are thinking of you in that moment in time. Because mm. that's been cu- cultivated or curated for you from home life, slimming clubs, social media, the old magazines that people would have been. It's like, well, to be happy, you must be slim. Mm, really? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's funny how the brain goes into safety mode. Mm. There's like, so if you're interested in that area, I'd go to like Shannon Beer has a, has a course. Um, and she's amazing content. She has a podcast and everything. So, it, or there's Amelia Thompson, those kind of people and resources would be yeah. really, really useful for that kind of information to kind of get your head about it a little bit more. Um, yeah. The two more questions, because I know we are tight for our time is, what are the, what's the kind of the biggest thing you would say about how to kind of stop regaining weight? Because this is one thing that a lot of people will kind of be like, just tell me the secret. Yeah. I, I feel like I could be wrong, but a lot of people think sometimes it's what you do after the diet, but it's, it's a lot more down to how you actually approach it in the first place. People tend to shoot themselves in the foot with weight regain from the moment they try and start losing the weight, not what they do at the end. Again, my opinion here but it is what i've seen so it goes back to approaching it in a way that you can actually sustain and in a way that allows you to still tick the boxes and have a life 
whilst you're working towards your, your fat loss goals, right? If you if you don't do this and have to summon unholy amounts of willpower so that you don't eat any chocolate <laughs> so that you can lose the weight, you're eventually going to get back to the point where you will want to eat the way that you were eating before. You miss it, you miss the food, you're thrown into an environment where it's very easy to have that food. You're going to cave at some point. You're going to realize, you know what, I, I deserve it. You'll develop an unhealthy relationship with food and you'll start to regain the weight. And it's it can still happen, even if you approach it right. Like Let's be real, it can still happen. But it's much, much less likely to happen if you make a good effort to make sure that you're approaching it in a way that's flexible, that's sustainable. So that's that's the that's, that's the biggest thing, in my opinion, that can contribute towards preventing that weight regain. Yeah, it, it, and I think one of the things I kind of think had to add on to that is have you ever looked at what the reality of kind of weight loss is? When people try to lose weight first, what do they try to do? They try to increase their exercise. It's the first thing they try to do. So if you realistically break it down, it's probably about 3% of the equation, what mm-hmm. exercise does. What about the other 97% around your habits, your belief systems, your awareness, your triggers, all these kind of stuff. That's the other 97%. But no one really focuses on those when they try to lose weight from the first side of things. They're like, no, I'm just going to increase my exercise. I'm going to the gym five times this week. But we don't focus on why we do things. We're not aware of why we do things. So if we're not aware of where the leak in your house is or the leak in your car is, and you change the tire, it's not going to fix the issue. So it's kind of like you need to kind of hone in and say, if you want to, I don't know, Paul Dermody calls it a kind of a weight neutral phase. If you've been struggling with your weight for a while or your eating habits for a long time, sometimes stop dieting or stopping dieting could be the best thing for you to do. And understanding that bringing in some sort of structure for you with three regular meals, two or three snacks could help you. Like some people aren't ready for fat loss. Mm. Some people aren't, shouldn't be counting calories. Some mm. people prefer going low carb. Some people are fine with having no chocolate until the weekends. Some people like to have breakfast. Some people don't. And it's bringing in that piece of like, it's finding what works for you, how you work, and then finding the approach to match that for you. And it's being prepared that you will mess up at times. But that's what emotional eating is. And people have this belief system that emotional eating is just, you stop emotional eating. You don't. <laughs> It's the reality of it is there's going to be times where you will eat emotionally. We all do it. Yeah. I do it. Barry does it. But people think, well, I just need to say, stop emotional eating. It's like, no, no, you yeah. will do it. It's just less intense and less restrictive methods beforehand. But birthdays, Christmas, Easter, Halloween, all these kind of different things. Yeah. I like that, what you said there about emotional eating, because it's, it's not actually... Like, it's not actually a problem. Just like, let's say you look at emotional eating, like what it actually is. It's not necessarily a problem, something that needs to be eliminated, right? It's not like it's a poison in your body. It makes complete sense why you would go to a food to, go to, a food to help handle emotions. It can change how you feel in your brain pretty, pretty damn quick. <laughs> quicker than lighting up a fag. Quicker than pouring a, a, a drink for yourself in some cases. Quicker, that's, quicker than going out for a walk, that's for sure. So it makes a lot of sense. It's logical to do it. And sometimes the reason people are where they are in terms of, let's say, they're, they're gaining body fat, they're not happy with it, and it's down to emotional eating. It's not because they're emotional eating. It's, as you said, like the frequency of it. 
and the intensity of it. So the person that you want to be that's like way happier in the future might not be that they're not emotionally eaten. It just might be that it's less intense and that it's less often. And I think if people were able to see that and like see the future version of themselves, like how can I be more like them and have good expectations for that? It would be easier because then you can wake up every morning and say, like, okay, what would like the me in two years that's already lost weight, how would they go about their day? And it gets you less focused then on the numbers and the short term and it takes off some of the pressure. It's an exercise that I, I, I do with some of our clients sometimes. What would future you do after you've lost weight? How would, how would you go about your day? No massive. And I think I was going to ask another question, but I think I know you have to head off. So I think it's, I think there's a really useful thing about the flexibility, um, how to stop regaining weight and the kind of like that willpower piece, I think is really, really important for people to kind of hone in on. Where can people find you on Instagram, Barry? Barry's Bods, B-A-R-R-Y-S, B-O-D-S, same on Facebook and TikTok, but not really too active on there at the moment. Maybe, maybe in the future I'll kick them off again. Instagram is the main one. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on, Barry. No worries. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you. So massive thank you to Barry for coming on to the, the podcast. So definitely head out and check out Barry's Bods on Instagram. And if you enjoyed the episode at all, please do tag and leave a review up on iTunes. It's really, really useful to get that the feedback. Really, really cool to see when people are giving feedback because that's where the growth of the podcast can go and go to where I feel it should go. But if you are still interested in the Female Fat Loss Program, there are a few spaces left for the 8th of January start. It's 99 euro for podcast listeners. It's normally 149 for eight, eight weeks of coaching. It is tailored programming, tailored nutrition, weekly check-ins, accountability, motivation. And it'll give you the kickstart that you need for January. And it's the opposite of what you normally do in January when you go on those silly, stupid diets and you don't get anywhere. This is complete opposite. This is going to start 2024 on the way that you want to and learn how to keep the weight off and stop letting one meal or one night out derail you. That is what that program is about. So if you're interested, click on the link in the show notes and I hope you enjoyed the episode.